You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps, and welcome to a brand new Epic Film Guys Fresh Fright Review. I'm Justin. I'm B-Ratty. And we're joined once again by your favorite podcaster in the entire world, the god of podcasting, ladies and gentlemen, Loisos. Hey, good evening, everyone. Justin, you said once again as if I'm, I've ever been on this program. <laughs> so. You have been an interchangeable member. You've been on and off mm-hmm. the yeah. Epic Film Guys brand since it began. So where the fuck did your memory go, bro? Well, I've never been on this particular <laughs> program with the two of you, or the three of us together, uh, reviewing something for Fresh Frights. Um, that's that's right. That is that is very true. Thank you for correcting me. And So this um, is a momentous occasion. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's, it's up there. It's up there. And, um, you know, some of you are like probably going to be like, hey, where's Jeremy? And uh, Jeremy spent the entire weekend at Monster Palooza over the weekend. Yes, yeah, so uh, fuck Jeremy. Did... I'm just kidding. Dude, dude. I know. Everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, there's drama. I mean, I mean you, have a, to you do have a right to be a little bit jelly of the yeah. cool ass shit that he always does. He always comes back with amazing stories. And I'm sure when he does on the next episode that we release that is horror related um he will be relaying that information but ladies and gentlemen we are here it's been quite a few weeks since we've recorded and released a horror review uh brady correct me if i'm wrong i believe it was evil dead rise am i right yeah. there yeah all three of us really loved that movie so that was yeah the last it was great right yeah fantastic yeah. if you haven't listened to that one i'm it's definitely by far going to be one of the biggest horror movies of the year go back and check that one out um, but, um, as, uh, Jeremy actually relayed to our audience when we did our, uh, reaction to the flash a few weeks ago, we have officially dropped the brain stew moniker. So it's now just back to straight old epic film guys. You know, that's what you all remember us as anyways. So, um, that's what we are. And, uh, you'll just have to accept that shit, but we are reviewing the new horror movie that came out last weekend in theaters, the boogeyman. And no, this has nothing to do with Michael Myers. Or the movie from the 80s that sucks a huge fat dick that has an amazing score. Or the one that came out, like, what is it, 2005 or something? You know, the one with the poster with the hand coming out of the, the closet. Even though that could totally be like an, you know, connected version in some way, a sequel or prequel. I don't fucking know. I'm grasping at straws here. Have either of you seen either of the other Boogeyman movies? No. No. Haven't. Well, I, I at least watched the one from 1980 because it has a super cool poster. It's got like purple on it. Do you looks want way award? cooler than it actually like is. A, like a medal for doing that? Um, I already have one. I wear okay. it around my neck every day. No one can see it, but you know. I it's deserve called an ego. It's called an ego. Thank you. <laughs> I deserve a medal for sitting through this. Film. Ooh, all right. All right. Shit. Let's, let's get in your pants over there. Come on. Well, here, here we are. And uh, this is based on a Stephen King story. And... Brady is our resident Stephen King expert and lover of all things Stephen King. So, you know, I assume you've read the story, Brady. Mm-hmm, I have. Okay. And are you a fan of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the short story is fantastic. 
Um, I mean, I, do you want me to go into it now? Well, yeah. I mean, I, all I know based on what I'm seeing is that it's from a 1973 short story by Stephen King. Uh, and you might as well go ahead and tell our listeners, if they're uninitiated on what the movie is, what it's all about. Uh, yeah, sure. So the synopsis is that grieving the recent and surprising death of their mother, a teen and her young sister think that trying to connect with their grief-stricken father and assimilating back into their normal daily life would be their hardest problem. But after one of their father's patients unleashes a bloodthirsty supernatural entity into their home that feeds on pain and suffering, the sisters must come face to face with the monster in their closets, the boogeyman. Uh, yes, as Justin said, it is based on a short story by Stephen King. I believe it's like eight pages originally published in Cavalier magazine in 1973. And then five years later it would show up in his um, short story collection night shift, which is fantastic. If nobody else has read it, um, Justin, I know you don't read, um, probably can't read. So, you know, just listen, find an audio book, um, um, put me, put me in jail. And when I'm in there, I'll do lots of readings. I won't have anything to do. Okay? Oh, well, I'll get you, uh, watch movies. you go to jail, I'll, watch I'll send you a copy of night shift. Um, okay. Please do. Please do. Yeah, you know, I don't want to just make this whole episode about the short story, but short story is is very tight, focused on a therapist and the therapist patient. Um, so in the movie, you get a much broader family tale, um, obviously with a 91-minute runtime. Uh, but at, at its core, it is supposed to focus on this man coming to a therapist, explaining that there's a boogeyman that lives in his house that's killing his children, and everybody thinks it's him. So... You know, it's it's there, um, and I guess I can just I'll just dive into initial thoughts since I'm already talking. But um, yeah, like I I love Stephen King so so much, and I know he's got a bunch of shitty movies out there. But I think a lot of us have come to love the shitty movies of the '80s, um, namely, you know, like Pet Cemetery. Looking back, is probably not an you, objectively you good be careful. movie. Oh but man, I I love that movie so much. But yeah, I mean, if you look back at it, you're like, all right, well, that, that's kind of like shitty quality. Brady prefers the remake. Oh, okay. yeah. The re the remake is the best thing ever. And I know uh, our listener, Corey, also prefers the remake. And he told me in great detail. at the. He did right after we saw the movie. I remember it. Yeah. 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 Um, so whenever there is. I, I just have to say that that's sarcasm, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I yeah, have yeah. To okay. <laughs> He's going to go hunt down Corey. He's like, what the fuck? Um. So when anything Stephen King related comes up on my radar, I get very excited. And here's where I plug that I need the fucking Salem's Lot remake to get to our screens somewhere or another. I don't care what people have said. I don't care if people comment on Facebook chains and say, oh, it sucks when I saw it. I still want to see it. Just let me have it. Because Justin, I know you were going to say that. Anyways. I, I would just remind you that, I mean, that's just what I've heard that it's been in uh, production delay because of the bad test screenings. I, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on it. Uh, I would hope it's better than the Toby Hooper version um, that I'm not a huge fan of. I own it. I think it's solid. I think it's good. Uh, but you are correct in saying that I believe that, you know, Stephen King adaptations uh, more than anything else are really 50 50 hit or miss a lot i mean yeah. yes a lot of us like the shitty ones and a lot of them have a lot of charm to them um but every studio and filmmaker has tried to tackle a stephen king story um, but there are some classics out there yeah and uh Since, what's uh go ahead no i was gonna say i mean just we might as well jump right in here on initial thoughts and Lois Oz, I can see you chomping at the bit here a little bit. So uh, no, since you mean, are a, a guest on this episode, I, I got, I got the chance to see the movie with you over the weekend and uh, let's hear it. What'd you think? 
Um, well, uh, I'm not an expert like Brady, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Stephen King. Um, I I have to I have to uh, assume that the short story um, based on because I haven't read it. So based mm-hmm. on what uh, Brady has espoused, I feel like um, the scene between the therapist and uh, the patient is is that's basically the only thing that it takes from the short story basically and everything else is just um you know creative license i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay um this movie made me mad <laughs> i i uh, this is one of the most bottom of the barrel dime a dozen creatively bankrupt uh unimaginative uninspired uh flat listless boring horror movies i've seen in quite some time <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i i mean uh, who hurt you i feel like the any rage this movie hurt me to watch. <laughs> any rage you had in your life has just been channeled into this one fucking movie no here's the thing i mean i ca- i came into this like excited uh you know I, the director is uh, a man named rob savage who uh, i uh, he directed a film called host that came out it was a it was one of those quarantine movies where it was shot during the COVID-19 pandemic I thought it was extremely effective it had um you know obviously zero budget but it managed to to you know string some scares out of a uh, pretty sparse premise and sparse production um so I was I was very um interested to see what he would do with the studio budget. And uh, especially, you know, of course, the, the studio, you know, slaps Stephen King's name on the poster for name brand recognition. Um, and and the movie is the movie is just as generic as its title. <laughs> the Boogeyman. Like, I, I mean, OK. We're all kind of afraid of that. Um, Kind of, I mean, you think of the boogeyman and and so many different, you know, everyone has a different idea of what the boogeyman is, and what he what it is in this movie is basically a cross between the Cloverfield monster and one of those alien bugs from District Nine. I mean, it's like the least possible create least creative possible avenue to take this story, and of course, um, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, lit for shit. You can't see a goddamn thing on the screen, which is something that infuriates me in recent horror movies. It happened with uh, um, the black phone. It happened with uh, the Hellraiser reboot that came out last year. Like turn on the goddamn light so we can see what's going on in your scene. Anyway, I'm starting to get really animated. So someone has to take this away from me. Or, 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 you know, I dare say, you know, before I get into my initial thoughts, I'm going to give Brady his turn first. Um, You know, just, just hire people that know how to light a movie. You know, I don't um, know this, what's going on. Th- it's it's a not, real problem. You know, people's excuse for the Hellraiser reboot was or remake rather, uh, whatever it was, sequel, <laughs> um, uh, was that it was shot for streaming. And people keep using this as an excuse that it was shot for streaming. And the HDR, yes, that means you can hear someone literally revving their fucking car in the background. That's just shows <laughs> they're Brady trying lives. to they're trying to escape this movie. Brady, are you watching Fast 10 in the background? Are you recording yourself right now What a screening of the new I never Fast had a family, movie? so I need to watch the Fast and oh, Furious film so I can have a family. You did have a family, your dad, and he liked to show you his package. Stop hiding yourself. <laughs> but Brady, we'll, we'll throw it right to you because you saw it before us, and mm. you are the Stephen King guy. So what did you think, your initial thoughts on the movie? 
Uh, yeah, so what's great about this story and most of his short stories in general uh, is their simplicity. So this one and then another one, Strawberry Spring, is, is really fucking good. Um, and how with the simplicity that can hold so much dread and suspense, uh, Brian already said, Rob Savage, you know, phenomenal director. I think Host was a great movie. Um it made quarantine a little more fun. Uh, and so when he got attached to it, I was excited and the cast looked really good. Sophie Thatcher from, you know, yellow jackets. I, I was pumped about that. Glad that she's getting her time to shine. Uh, and I got to say, I was, I, I came out of the theater pretty happy with the movie. And wow. I, yeah. I, why, I, why? <laughs> Because at its core, it's just a simple horror movie. And I think that that's all I needed out of it. I thought that when it needed to be suspenseful, it was suspenseful. Um, and I will draw back real quick and say, like, I do have some big faults with the movie that I'll talk about. And I think, Brian, you already hit most of them. But, like, overall, it was just a fun popcorn horror movie for me. And that's all I needed it to be. That's all I need a Stephen King horror movie to be. Um well, I will say I'm 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 not the audience for this movie. I mean, I should be because I love horror movies, but yeah. this movie is made for uh I guess people who haven't seen a horror movie before. This felt like baby's first horror movie where if you're a preteen and you go like on your first date uh with 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 um with a girl to see a scary movie and I I'm using giant air quotes around it. Um then this movie is made for you because you're going to, you know, you're going to jump at all the moments where it wants you to jump. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, but the, the movie offers nothing for the intellect, nothing for the soul. It is just devoid (laughs) period. And, um, you know, there are some positive aspects to this movie. I'm not going to completely sit here and, um, pretend that there's no, um, you know, there's no craft. There's no, there's zero scenes that work. I mean, there were a couple sure. of scenes that were effective because I think Rob Savage has proved, at least with Host, um, that, and you know, with the couple scenes in this movie that worked for me, that he can craft um, a, a really um, knockout horror sequence. But the rest of the movie uh, around it is so, like I said, it's just um, it, it's it's mining all of the tropes that we've seen in 5,000 other horror movies and especially horror movies that we've seen recently. Um, but anyway, uh, Justin, <laughs> we, 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 we attended this screen. We attended this screening together and, uh, we were ready to have a good time. You know, we, we, uh, had a few drinks beforehand. We got dinner. We, we you know, we were, um, enjoying the beautiful weather outside and we, uh, we attended the screening at Alamo Draft House, Winchester, and uh, we were prepared, you know, to to we we went into this movie with an open mind and an open heart. And what were your first reactions to this thing? I fucking <laughs> hated this movie. <laughs> I can't tell you how frustrated I was. And I'm very I mean, the past couple of years. I've found my criticisms of movies to be a little more gentle. Um, I haven't been as vicious as I used to be a few years back, um, but this movie really pissed me off. 
this is like i mean i don't know the last time i was this pissed off by a horror movie but i'm trying to remember my memory is terrible um question why can't we have horror movies about regular families that live in middle age or excuse me uh middle class middle class thank you middle class homes that are bright and the families are happy and then something bad happens to them which brings the darkness and adds that element of horror which is truly terrifying all of these newer movies everyone's fucking miserable i go to the movies to be entertained and i go to the movies to escape my problems if you continuously remind me of my problems every single new horror movie that comes out and you constantly surround everything with trauma then i'm getting bored of this shit and we, we've talked about this as an element in the horror genre a lot over the last couple of years barbarian um smile which we didn't record but i talked about um the night house the, the night house but i mean literally you can it's endless it's at summer. this point yeah yeah i understand um the purpose behind it and i do love it when it's done well but we're at this point this this many years later where they they're using it as a crutch in order to attempt to tell a story and here it's literally devoid of any of that i want to see characters that are literally loving life and then something terrible fucking happens to them and it ruins their life and we see how they react everything's got to be about Let's find an emotional connection to these characters. And I know I always bring this up as an example, but it is literally one of the best horror movies of all time. Think of Poltergeist. Happy family moves into a brand new house. The parents are so laid back. They're just like ready to smoke a fucking joint and, and fuck each other while the kids are in the other room. The kids have their toys. Everything's happy. Regular family. Now, granted, that's not to say they don't have problems that we don't see. But Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg that weren't interested in that. They were interested in showing us what happens to a regular family when a fucking poltergeist comes into their life. I get like what this movie is based on. And it's very novel uh, for Stephen King to do that in 1973, deal with a psychiatrist that's a very early, you know, no one else had been doing anything like that that early. It's very smart. Um, but now we've seen it a million fucking times and I'm sick of it. Just give me something entertaining. I don't want you to have to keep talking down to me. You don't have to remind me that, that their mother died constantly and how miserable they are and how terrible of a father he is. I just want to see people get fucking terrorized by something. And a movie called The Boogeyman should deliver that in spades. It's not hard. Scare me. Do something. This movie, for me, Brian, I noticed you jumped a few times. I, I noticed it. I made fun of you for it. The movie didn't do a thing for me. It didn't make me flinch a fucking bit. I was miserable the entire time. I will say this. I love, love, love Sophie Thatcher. I think she's absolutely fantastic. I love I her in Yellow Jackets. And I thought she did a fantastic job here with the material she was given. But she's absolutely wasted in this dreadful, generic piece of shit. I, I hope she goes to a chiropractor because her back must be hurting from carrying this movie. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Just, she, yeah, she, 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 her performance is outstanding and way better than the movie deserves. And really, I mean, if I were to recommend the movie, it would be, you know, on, on, on um, her, the laurels of her performance because it is, she, she really is going for it. 
um, the character, um, I had to look up her name, Sadie. Um, Sadie and Sawyer. It was easy to remember. Brian, you weren't that drunk, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, So so the character is, uh, again, uh, very thinly painted. Um, She, you know, her mom's dead and she gets bullied at school. And um, I guess she, uh, she has an arc where she, you know, kind of becomes protective of her sister and, and defends her against the boogeyman, I guess. Um, and that's it, I guess. Um, so not much to the character, but what Sophie Thatcher brings to it um, is, again, way more than it deserves. Um, the other characters, I mean, uh, her father, uh, I, I like Chris Messina as an actor uh, generally. Definitely, definitely. But the character is like pathetic, pathetic like um he i mean uh, is he a character Uh, hardly i mean i don't know i guess we're coming at this from two opposite angles but you know justin you're talking about like this oppressive theme and yeah i think it's being overdone in the genre of this you know grief horror if you will um but I don't know. I, I guess I came into this movie thinking like, cool, like they're hitting it over the head and it's oppressive and it's it's constant. But that's like just what grief is. And that's just how this family has that grief being shown. Like I that's what is getting across to me is like, cool, like this family can't escape it. Like, sure, there's a boogeyman. Sure, there's awful lighting. But like that grief is palpable. Like they cannot get away from it. And so for Chris Messina, I love him too. Like I think in the Mindy Project, he's great. Uh, but here... Like, I don't think he's supposed to give a great performance. He's supposed to be a shell of the person that he was. Like, you're never really supposed to see who he was before the accident because all you know is this grieving father who can't even connect to his kids, even though he himself is a fucking therapist, right? And like the moment that was probably the most heartbreaking in the movie is like you said, because of Sophie Thatcher, where she's like talking to her dad and he's like, maybe you should talk to your therapist tomorrow. And she's like, well, I was trying to talk to you. And he's like, yeah, I know. And it's like, that's a normal conversation. Like, I've had that conversation with my dad plenty of times. We so need I guess much, we needed much ahead. more of that. Yeah. And I think that if you took maybe the 10 to 15 minutes that they dedicated to this weird group of friends slash bully slash best friend and slash that, girlfriend, slash question girlfriend, mark? Yeah. That like, I think so. I'm really, pretty sure they were hinting at that. Yeah. If you lightly. took that out of it and just focused on the relationship between uh, Sadie and her dad. I think it could have been a lot better and it, it would have been at least a little more to latch onto, you know? The other thing is they introduce all of these teen characters and they get them together in one location in the house. And I was prepared. Nothing. I was prepared for something because, okay, the movie opens quite promisingly with the death of a child. We have have to bring that up. I think here's the frustrating thing about it. Not to cut you off there, saucy, but I'm surprised you didn't. (laughs) It opens strong. The movie opens strong. I loved the opening of the movie. And as we know, all you old school EFGers out there know that, you know, the God of podcasting loves to see a kid get strangled. He loves to see a kid get I murdered, get decapitated brutally. And the opening goes for it. It's fucking amazing. And it's, then the rest of the movie feels like it's just the tamest, most generic shit you've ever seen. The opening scene is basically uh, Pixar's Monsters, Inc. <laughs> with slightly more blood. Right. It, I mean, it is effective. Like the movie opens with a scene that that does uh, prepare you for a ride. You're like, oh, okay. Like they're not messing around here. I know it's PG thirteen. There's only so you know. There's only so much you can do. 
But the boogeyman, I mean, it jumps out and goes boo, I guess. Uh, and it does very little else. And I, I get that it's a metaphor. And the thing is, you know, there are plenty of horror movies. We've seen it where, uh, you know, themes of grief and trauma are dealt with, um, in a way that is emotionally powerful, uh, you know, and inspired. And here it just feels like a crutch where it's like, well, our movie is about bigger things and we have deeper motivations than just boo. Um, but it never arrives at that emotional, uh, crux that you need to tell a story. I mean, the thing is like, uh, that's why I say like this movie is it's, it's for teenagers to, to, to go and waste an evening and hardly for anyone else. And I, I will admit like, that's not, I'm not that demographic. So maybe this movie wasn't made for me, but here I am, you know, uh, ready. willing. You're not even, you're not even 30 yet. You still got a couple of weeks here. Right. So I also think that, you know, in terms of lighting creature design, like I think all of us on here are going to agree. The creature design was shit. Um, and I read a couple interviews where even Rob Savage like hints around like he's like, yeah, I, I, it's it is what it is. Like we want it practical. We had to go CGI. I think if the movie I, I, they shot their wad way too early and showed that creature before they needed to. If you just rely on the darkness being this creature, you know, like think of um, what was it? Darkness Falls, the Tooth Fairy movie from the early 2000s. Like think of it in terms of that. Like this darkness is the thing that you need to stay away from. And sure, there's something in the darkness, but you won't know what it is. You know. The sh- oh, there oh, we go. The shark and Jaws, right? Like, you don't see it until you have to see it. And we didn't have to see this creature until the final act, maybe the last 10 minutes. Like, I think when Rob Savage does well with it is where he's not showing the creature directly, but shows it in, like, a TV screen. Or shows where, like, a character's eyes dart side to side so you know where the thing is. But, come on. Like, if you already know as a director that the CGI is shit, like, don't show it that fast. Well, what's interesting is I, I looked up like when the movie was announced and stuff, I was paying attention to the design and uh, there was a couple, you know, pieces of concept art that I was able to see and I thought it looked cool. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Can you imagine if there was a dude in a suit or like a practical puppet that they would use for some of the shots, yeah. you know, just a hand reaching out or something? It'd be extremely creepy. And I think the movie would have been that much better if they had just gone the practical route in at least some way, shape or form. I mean. In the Quiet Place movies, there's an actual practical reason as to why it's almost all CGI. I'm pretty sure, if anything, it's all CG. All the creatures are fully CGI. It's just because you see a lot of them. And when you do, you know, and they have to scurry around fast, and, and it's like action sequences and such. Um, where here, it's so condensed and it's such a smaller environment that it would have been way better. Like, can you imagine had they like designed something like the xenomorph just as an example and done that practically in the movie because let's face it like you said brady the shark and jaws the xenomorph in the first alien you barely see the thing but when you do it fucking lands like an anvil over your head like yep. it scares the ever-living shit out of you still to this day both those movies they do that for me because the creature is hidden and it's the atmosphere that makes the movie and unfortunately for me uh, there was no atmosphere. The score is basically non-existent in the movie. Um, and, you know, I can't f- fully like put all of this on Rob Savage, you know, and I, I guess whenever a director takes on a big budget 
movie like this is their first one. The movie had a, a pretty substantial budget, $35 million. Um, so that's nothing to shake. You know, it's, it's a sizable budget for a movie like this. So far, it's only made 21.4 million, which actually shocks me because usually this type of movie with the younger audience since it's PG 13. That's the reason why it is. They want money from it. They want to make it a big bankable movie. This movie should have um, been made for 10 million, you know, like go, go the, go the Blumhouse route. Well, well tell and, me, yeah. you, you give me the reason why this movie's 35 million. Tell me what you saw in that movie. Cause there's no bankable stars in it right well as brady said it's the cgi i'm sure was a lot of it but I it's mean, not I, even good cgi so well, who are they paying it's to do expensive that? cgi <laughs> doesn't Apparently, have to be good cgi yeah I, you, you should have paid somebody else for that i'd like to digress for a little bit um and uh, first of all i am no great filmmaker um i'm i'm not uh you know, the best when it comes to script writing. Um, I don't know how to set up a light or a camera, you know, but I, I, I co-directed a film in college um, that was very similar to this premise about a monster in a closet. Um, and the original script that I had to work with that I, you know, kind of helped to shape and rewrite called for a creature. And we didn't have the budget or the means for, you know, to create a creature with horns and everything that the script yeah. called for. So we had to rethink it. And so what we did, what I, what I, uh, you know, what we had to come up with a kind of, um, you know, a crucial moment when we realized we couldn't do it is restraint. Less is more. And all you see at the end is a hand come out of the closet. Like it was my hand. I, we painted it black and it's like a shadow. It comes out of the closet and we, we put like fake claws on me. And like, it was, it, you know, again, no I can masterpiece tell you, whatsoever. But I can tell here. you that that, that, would that been great here. That actually, when you showed me that short film for the first time, I was extremely impressed, and I was legitimately creeped out by that image of your hand. I didn't know it was yours until after we watched it. You're like, oh, that was my hand. Um, I should. Really I should simple. All they have to, to do is call my dad. Okay, he can run down any <laughs> stairs he needs to naked. We can paint it up if we need to, but. You know, it's oh, pretty dude, scary. Let's, let's let's please not talk about painting up your dad's junk. That would be. <laughs> I mean, that's the literal most terrifying thing anyone would ever. You see. want to talk about the boogeyman? <laughs> oh, that's the boogie. boogie. Ew. All right. Bo- boogie jiggling a little uh, bit it, there. It was a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of something, a lot of jangling. It's a lot, a lot of something. But I mean, <laughs> I don't. I, I I I hate to shit on something like this because it, it's. It, it was trying. It was trying to. You <laughs> we know. know you don't, Brian. <laughs> well, you know, just because I've been on this streak of trying to really give a solid chance to everything, I always watch every single movie with the most open arms. Give it the biggest opportunity I possibly can. Would you say can. with uh, with arms wide open? With arms wide open. <laughs> Love you, Scott. Scott. Yeah, I can't wait for that inevitable Creed reunion. Please, please whatever God. happened. Wasn't Let he supposed it. to play Frank Sinatra in some biopic? Even though he looks nothing fucking like Frank Sinatra. We already had that HBO biopic thing with Ray Liotta who played him, who also yeah, looks yeah. nothing fucking like him. His family just loved him. Well, he looks like him now. Was like, uh, uh, that's not funny. Sorry. That's not funny. That was in how, poor taste. How dare kind of, you? I think it was kind of funny. On this show. I mean, his last performance was in a movie called Cocaine Bear. So I think that is in good taste, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sidebar, one of my favorite things about <laughs> Cocaine Bear is the uh, in-loving memory of Ray Liotta. 
credit at the end. The last image you see of him is his intestines getting torn out by CGI cubs. Oh, and he man. falls off of a waterfall. Spoiler some of the alert. worst, some of the worst CGI you'll see in a movie in your entire life. Even worse that, than this. That was another movie where you couldn't see shit in the climax. It had this like murky, like CGI sheen, where, where obviously they shot the scene during the day, and then they just like slapped a blue filter. We're on gonna it. make this look like it's at night, which plenty of movies do, but uh, clearly they didn't know how in that one. Yeah. Sorry, Elizabeth. I'm just saying, but I, I mean. It, the movie was fun, but um, I, I, I'm just getting frustrated with these movies that just they, they look like crap. And and this is another one. The Boogeyman is another one where like the entire climax, like I started to get heavy eyelids because there. I mean, if you can't light your scene so that we can see what's going on on the screen, you may as well show nothing at all. Just have it entirely in yeah. darkness. Yeah, just have voices. Yeah, sounds. Or just don't show the movie. <laughs> <laughs> don't make the movie while you're right, at it. Right. At least not this one. I guess what it comes down to, there's not really much more to talk about with this one. I think, you know, Brady, I can tell that you liked it. You enjoyed mm-hmm. it for what it was. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this? We might as well get to it, man. <laughs> this is the shortest review ever. <laughs> Uh, well, well, you yourself said, I mean, not much really happens in the movie. You know, um, we're not going to dissect every fucking second of it because yeah. it's mostly forgettable. I um, think, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I say this every episode, but I've said my piece with it. Yeah, I, it definitely has its its faults. And I think you two have definitely pointed them out very well. And I, in it, I can't not agree with most of them. Overall, it's a short runtime mixed with strong performances in deft direction um it might not make the movie a modern classic it will not make it a modern classic uh but it does provide enough of a punch to make it an enjoyable popcorn summer horror flick about one of humanity's first fears darkness so it's a fun jump scare filled movie that doesn't need to be anything more than that for me so i will treasure so, so it. you're saying you're saying the jump scares actually landed for you so you oh they got jumped. me yeah yeah so i, I think and that's the thing it's like I think that's another frustrating thing is although I treasure it, like it just, it had potential to be so much more and which is probably just the thing that's going to, the tagline that'll follow Stephen King for all of his life is potential to be more in terms of movies. But I mean, it's interesting that you say that because um, you say like, well, you know, it, it was a, it was a solid horror film. Like it, it provided a couple of drums. That's all it needed to be. But I'm like lamenting the potential <laughs> that this, like I I'm so stuck on like the, the grief I feel that like this movie, I mean, you could have done so much like, you know, each kind of, each culture has its own kind of legend of what the boogeyman is. Like you could have had like a shape-shifting creature. You could have had, I don't know, you could have just done so much more. And what this movie chooses to do is, you know, oh, um, you know, my mom died. And uh, are, are we doing spoilers? Because like, okay, yes. so yes. The, yeah. the, the end of the movie, it takes, you know, there's this confrontation in the basement. And um, she uses a can of like... Uh, spray paint or something and a lighter it was, i guess it was her mom's lighter to yeah. to light the creature on fire and before she does so instead of saying something badass like burn motherfucker or something oh, like that it's she, the worst line oh my god this made the me so most fucking mad again like oh. just as generic as its title what is the most generic thing she could possibly say fuck you come on give me a break and then she i guess she just lights it on fire which i guess like it 
the idea is you have to light your grief on fire, burn it to the ground. I mean, I mean, the the metaphor is not strong here. Yeah. Um, and then I guess she, uh, um, you know, the the house burns down, and she's saying goodbye to her mother's dress and and the the painting of all of them, which you know was torn in half, which symbolism, like it's it's doing a thing. Um, and it just it doesn't come to any satisfying conclusion for me. The metaphor isn't there for me. Um, so that's what I lament is the potential. Obviously, um, Rob Savage is a talented, you know, director. I think he could, um, go on to do, you know, some more impressive work, especially there were two scenes that I thought were great. And that was, that had to do with a tooth pulling, which I mm, thought was great. I loved that scene actually. And, uh, a scene in a therapist's office where, where they're doing some sort of, um, like you know therapy with the youngest daughter where the, where they turn off all the lights oh, the and darkness. there's a flashing red yeah. light um they could have done a lot more with it but i thought that scene uh was was um, you know solid it was well done so um again I, I i will say that there are things about the movie that i could see the potential of but overall i think it's a massive failure again it it, it does nothing it does nothing for the intellect nothing for the soul it's just uh it sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> and, and and Justin and I, uh, you know, like I, like I said earlier, like after that screening, we like commiserated. And we've done this plenty of times before. I mean, the glory days of like, you know, X-Men Apocalypse and Suicide Squad and movies like that where we would walk out and talk Legend for like of Tarzan. three and a half yeah. hours after the screening of like, <laughs> just, just like going through the stages of grief together you know what i mean and did this you, was another did you one. burn your grief at the end uh in a way i mean yeah. th this podcast doing this podcast is very uh therapeutic Cathartic. for me yeah yeah so um in a way we're talking about our problems here man we're talking about our problems and, yeah uh, i mean in a way i mean the the movie um you know deals with you know, overcoming grief. So um, this might be the most insightful movie ever made now that I think about it. I'm wow. glad I could change your mind. Justin, you're <laughs> Look, at <that. laughs> Look at that right there. Um, the beauty of film. So Power. just to be clear here, Brady, you're treasuring this movie. Brian, yeah. you're what? I'm trashing the fuck out of it. All right. Well, Gee, there is what Justin's doing. Oh, such ooh. a surprise. I mean, you know, I, I, I listen, I, it's not like I went into this thing wanting to hate it. Uh, That's know. not true. You called me right before and you said, I'm going to go into this movie right now. And I'm going to fucking hate everything about it. I just want you to know. And Dude, I said, All did, right. I, did I really drink that much that I forget calling you? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's without without entirely yeah. possible. It was a nice night. But like what Brian said earlier, I was in the mood because it was a nice, cool summer night. Summer's kicking in. The moon is bright, having a few drinks, walking out in the town. It's like, what better way to end the night than a late night screening of a, a horror movie? Get some jumps and jolts. Just have a fun time. Like what you said you had with it, Brady. And, you know, and in my case, I just walked out extremely frustrated. I think this is the problem with a lot of the modern horror movies we've seen over the last five to ten years. And luckily, we've been in a renaissance of sorts. Um, you know, I didn't love Evil Dead Rise. I didn't even really, really like it. I thought it was fine. Uh, but for the most part, all of the other horror movies have been getting, you know, some of the ones I mentioned earlier have not, been really solid. And not to interrupt, Justin, I'm sorry. But again, one of the things that I How really dare you. One of the things I really disliked about Evil Dead Rise is that all the characters were fucking miserable. 
and and it applies to this movie too like why can't we just to justin's point why can't we just have like a normal functioning family i understand they're trying to draw parallels with you know mental health and all that kind of stuff but that's been done so many times i don't other- need it i seriously don't need it i also don't need to be right reminded of it i you know i'm just saying I'm not going to mention my personal problems on the show. I'm not going to mention Brady's or yours, but I, I can dare say without saying that each one of us deals with our own shit in our own way. And I don't need to go into a movie that I want to have fun with and be reminded of those problems again. I just want to see a scary fucking creature terrorizing a family and have fun with it. I don't need you to hit me over the head like Brady said this movie did, and rightly so. It's trying so extremely hard to be smart and to connect with you on a deeper emotional level, and it never connects in any way. The reason for that is because it's not made for adults to connect. It's made for young people to go have a fun time, and maybe they're not even thinking about this stuff. Though we do live in a world today where the younger generation is more conscious of these elements of life and how they're affected because they're constantly reminded in movies and television and music whereas when we were younger (laughs) i'm just saying like everything is all about like it's it's literally turning people that don't have problems into depressed like i i don't even know i can't find a word i don't want to put anybody down or anything i mean i've had depression problems my entire life on and off but I think people are being forced into this mindset. It's like, dude, literally, you know, you can have a happy life. This movie just proves to me that every character, except except for Sawyer, I think I think that character, um, she seemed pretty happy playing her fucking PlayStation. So I well, was like, she's not she's not that she's not that bad. Um, also, and I I hate to bring this up, I I really really do, but um. I believe the character or the actor's name is Vivian Lyra Blair. Uh, yeah, sounds a little bit similar to a Linda Blair, if you will. Uh, mm. Linda Blair's chops, she doesn't have. Um, hate to be that guy, but um, she you was know, fine. Don't 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 come after the. She's fine. Young actress. Listen, um, listen, listen. When they cast these movies, there are brilliant young actors out there, Brian. So it's not me coming after the, the person. She wasn't really coming given the, much. It's so coming after the casting really director with. or the director, whoever made the decision on casting that person or, or the writers. Um, believe me, we, we've we've seen plenty of amazing child actors in horror movies. Again look at poltergeist just saying i know i'm talking about 40 fucking years ago um yeah i'm that old dude yelling from his porch and not every lawn but not every movie needs to be poltergeist not every you know horror movie needs to have like happy-go-lucky characters like you can tackle this subject matter in a way that you know again is inspired and and has um, real thematic purpose to it um, I think this movie, and, and it, like I said, we've seen it done well in, in plenty of other movies, mental health and grief. And, you know, m- those metaphors can be a powerful vessel, yes. you know, um, if, but if done and evalu- evaluated well and conveyed to the audience in a digestible manner. And this movie just to me, at least did not do that. I wish I had fun with it. The only thing I can say is I was happy to see Sophie Thatcher getting, you know, a movie to herself because she's basically our main character and i literally adore her in yellow jackets she's fucking brilliant if anyone's listening that has not watched yellow jackets brian hello i know um, i know come on yeah, i know it's 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 literally only like 
one of the best television shows of all time. Um, I still yeah. need to finish the second season. So, yes, I'm a, I'm a bastard for that. But I've been watching The Flash like every other day. So, yeah, um, yep, that's where I've been. But yeah, I'm going to trash it. Um, unfortunate. But so um, that's where I land on this one. We'll not be picking up the Blu-ray. We'll not be watching it ever again. But you know what? <laughs> okay. That That's not a bad thing because, you know, Brian, you and I were talking about this recently, like a few weeks back, and I think you bringing up that summer where we had a bunch of duds and we had to live through them, the Warcraft movie, Legend of Tarzan, we had so many bad movies that we just had to, <laughs> literally we were getting beaten to death with them, and we kind of brought that up to each other, and I think we, in a way, manifested that this movie wouldn't be good because it's it's telling us, like, hey, remember when you didn't? enjoy movies and they were bad and you complained about them and you reviewed them on a podcast well it just happened again so i mean we've seen plenty of bad movies in the interim but i'm just saying like this um it, it, it almost again it almost felt good to see a movie together and both be on the same page that we you know decidedly did not enjoy it and we were able to share in that together so um you know that's what movies do they bring people together and uh i've always said i'd rather be watching a movie than not watching a movie because then you know uh you're you're a little bit more cultured for better or for worse and you can talk about it with other people and uh i've really enjoyed doing that with you all tonight yeah that's the best thing that i can say about the movie (laughs) it it brought us all together if anything, and this is so very true, and this is something that I, I very much miss, uh, you know, with good or bad, is that it creates a conversation. And I think that's the most important thing about film is just having that conversation, whether we loved it, we hated it, we're in the middle. Um, you know, so many people in, in the culture we're in now, it's literally like a statement about the movie. It's a fucking masterpiece or it's the worst movie ever. And there's no you know, dialogue to that. There's no dissection or discussion it's literally just i hated it boom i don't care i don't want to talk about it that's not what we do on this show we're always fair to everything we want to talk about it as in-depth as we possibly can uh that's as accessible as it can be to our listeners that you'll enjoy it and we've enjoyed talking about the boogeyman tonight with you so that is the latest fresh frights review for the epic film guys podcast thanks so so much for listening uh, it, you know, if you're on the fence about watching the movie after listening to this, then I don't know what to tell you, but you might be making the wrong choice. But if hey, any, if anything, I, just go read the short story, please. It's the thing pages. is, I never, ever tell anyone, even if I hate a movie, I never tell them not to see it because I don't know what their perspective on the movie will be. So. I tell people, hey, go give it a shot for yourself because you never know. You might love it. And oh, uh, I also wanted to shout out because uh, Brady mentioned the short story, which reminded me of the scene with um, Chris Messina and David Desmalchian. I have to uh, shout out. You him. said his he's, name right. I don't know how to say his name. I fucking I love think him. I he's, did. He, he, he's brilliant. Yes, you did. You're, you're, you're a very cultured gentleman. You know exactly how to say his name. Well, I hope I did. Anyway, uh, he's becoming somewhat of a horror icon. Uh, he, you know, he's he's uh, a friend of Fangoria and all the rest of it. And at, anytime he shows up in a movie, uh, he's he's gonna steal whatever scene he's in. So shout out to him. I also thought he was, an, you know, one of the things that uh, you know was an attribute to the movie uh, kept my interest. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Because... He's not in the movie for very long. He has that one great scene, but yeah. Agreed. He, he is fantastic. I would dare say maybe the best performance of the movie. 
Sure. Yeah, I'd still I mean, give it to Sophie Thatcher. Well, uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Considering <laughs> she's in like I'll, 90% I'll, I'll give it of the to movie you. and he's in like I'll, 2% of the movie. Yeah, like I said, she she definitely carried the film for sure. Impact, people. But he's, Impact. He, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you so, so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode. If you, it's your first time listening to the show and you like what you're hearing, you hate what you're hearing, or you just want to tell us how bad we suck, go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes or on Spotify. I know that's popular. It's even easier. You don't even have to write anything. You just have to click stars. Then you're done. We just greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we're all over social media at Epic Film Guys on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Anywhere you want to find your podcast, we live there all the time. So until next time, I'm Justin. I'm B-Ratty. And I'm Loy Sauce. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy.